Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. Pleasure to be here. And uh, you had a magnificent win on the weekend. I reckon I was pretty close, giving you the description of running around witches' hats last week. Jeez, <laughs> oh, go easy. It was close. It wasn't too close, but no, it was nice to, uh, well, stop. to get I'll, the win for... I'm giving, you, I'm giving you a pump up here. Let me go. You're 300th. You've won by 294 points against West Coast. <laughs> it was, I got to join your family up at the box and it was an absolute cracker of a day. So thanks for having me. And man, it must have felt good playing 300 games in front of that crowd. It was loud. It was supportive. It was, and then to do it with your kids running out the banner, then after the game. Uh, to be honest with you, the positive was Flick not tucking a tantrum on the ground that we took out of it for the day because I was expecting her to yes, kick and throw a tantrum. young daughter. <laughs> How was it all? It was. It was a wonderful week. I suppose I'm not one to often sort of reflect, so that part was really quite special. And, and I noticed that massively during the week. You did one with an interview with Cameron Ling, and I thought it was absolutely terrific. And you're not a milestone person, but you enjoyed that all week in the game, I think. Yeah, it was just nice to talk to people that... Not that you forget them, but you've played with and, you know, like with with most things with people, you look forward, you look, you know, what's happening next week, next month, and, and years, you know, sort of tend to go by in the footy industry quite quickly. So it was really nice to reconnect some lovely conversations and, and messages from uh, from guys I used to play with. So it was uh, it was really nice and... We find ourselves now with a with a chance with the the AFL buy this week for all teams, and then the final series kicks off, which promises to be a ripper. Now we have the week off, but unfortunately, by the time our show airs in the following week, uh, in two weeks' time, so not this uh, not today, in in a week's time, uh, unfortunately, the finals would have already been underway because it starts on Thursday night, the following week. So. What are your predictions for the finals? Obviously, Cat's biased, but... What are you talking about? The finals, are, the, the finals are, they start this Thursday coming. Yeah, so it's a week. A week. Yeah. yeah. So we're a week away. Less than. Less than. So we can't... But there's games tonight, today and Sunday still. No, there's not. This is the, this is the bye week for the Yeah, AFL. that's what I'm saying. It's bye week, so it's just a week. A week in advance. Do you not understand what I'm saying? No one understands what you're saying. So we've got the week off this Saturday, right? Yes. Which is right now. Correct. And then Saturday week is when it starts. No, it's not. Thursday is when it starts. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, unfortunately, because the show starts, our show airs on the Saturday. Oh, you're talking about next yes, week's show. Yes, yes. The next week's show. We can't talk about the finals and your predictions next week's show because the round would have started. And we'll be halfway cheating. through it. That's why. That's why I'm going to have to ask you now. You're confusing the hell out of I me, I actually man. made sense then because I built this into my head earlier. You've made 
No sense. Final start in in on Thursday following. Yes. We're in the middle of the we're going to be in the middle of the round, so we can't talk about it on our show when finals start because we're going to be halfway through the round, Patrick. Can so we need to talk about it this week. Can we I think we're going to have to get back to fishing because I, Well, just give me your predictions on your finals for this year. Where your top 4 is obviously cemented. Who are the biggest challenges that the Cats have to face and who do you think is going to be I guess the big contenders in the finals that scare you a little bit. Well, I, I think the thing with footy, and we've seen it this year, any team on their day, if they get their game going, can win. Now, the key is riding that momentum off the back of a buy so you don't have any exposed form. So everyone, everything sort of resets. So Richmond have had a really good run into September. They'll be difficult to beat. But the Western Bulldogs, who uh, sneak into eighth position, their best footy can beat any side. That's in, because in Carlton lost. Seven. For anyone that's wondering, that's because Carlton lost last week. Bro, <laughs> Carlton supporters are out in the boat at the moment. Yeah, they are. Um, you know, so that's the beauty of our competition. It is so even. It's been the beauty of the season. You look at the breakdown of the ladder. You know, there's been there hasn't been too many sides that have just dominated all all throughout the season. There's been ebbs and flows. Other so. than the cats, that, for those that are wondering, yeah, on the cataract. Um, <laughs> So they've been ebbs and flows, and that's yep. what you know. That's what sports about. That's Sydney, what we love about it. Do they scare you a bit? They're going good. Yeah, you know, Buddy Franklin's had a wonderful season for someone that's thirty-five years of age. He's kicked fifty goals for the year. Gives so you some hope. There's there's so many, <laughs> there's so many, you know, great stories right throughout the competition. Uh, but that is enough, right? Uh, footy Redmond, because the fishing space there is a lot happening, and we kick it off with. Western Australia's recreational fishing ban, and Mark McGowan has gone on record uh, talking around the recreational fishing space as species such as pink snapper and jewfish uh, will be banned for fishing for nine months each year for the rest of the decade because without these sort of changes, and I quote, there won't be any fish. An extraordinary measure. We've seen this with snapper in South Australia, and this the South South, South Australia uh, tongue twister there, Redmond uh, snapper ban. I think off the top of my head, it was a five year ban initially when it was first introduced. I think that ends at the end of twenty twenty three. Yeah, twenty from. I reckon you're right. Will be will be reviewed. We've actually rather. got the SA. Uh, a member of the SA Rec Fish a, a member today on the show, so he'll be able to take us a little bit through that. Yep, so we'll, we'll chat to Harry around that and, and where he sees that. It'll be interesting to see his take on the Western Australian fishery uh, as well. Your initial thoughts on this, it just proves that we need to be really cognizant of the decisions that we make around the fishery because we don't want to be put in a situation, you know, no state does, where you're banned for fishing from a certain species for nine months of the year. I'm extremely worried about it for the same factor of what happened in South Australia in the past few years. There's been numerous businesses shut down. It's affected the economy, let's be honest, in South Australia, from service stations to caravan parks, right through to the charter boat operators, etc. Now, because McGowan has quoted as, we're putting it out for consultation, but all the science says that the decline in fish stocks needs Remedial action. Yeah, if you we, don't do something, in five or ten years' time, there won't be any fish. So Western Angler Magazine, and I did a bit of research during the work and week, and Western Angler Magazine stated some very good statements. So like you just said, going extinct is one of them, and no fish left. But yet, fisheries own, the state of own 
<laughs> sorry, tongue twister again, Pat. The state of fisheries report says pinky and dewy stocks right now are sustainable. And its own data shows their stocks are ac- actually recovering a little bit slower than exactly planned, but they are making a very good recovery. So the deadline is in 2030 as well, Pat. So they're yeah, actually... Because actual- they're quoted as saying, we're currently consulting. We haven't made any decisions on it. But I repeat the point, if we don't act, there won't be a fishery. So we've got to act. Now, this is McGowan speaking around the recreational fishing space. You've got to actually preserve fish stocks for the future. I think anyone and everyone actually accepts that in their heart of hearts. That is from McGowan. So it is up for a decision. The consultation is happening now. If you're a recreational angler in Western Australia, you're pretty nervous around this, I think. Oh, 100%. It, it's, because for so many of these rural towns... and we saw on it. And we saw this in South Australia, absolutely. It is such a critical um, tourism attractor. There's businesses that totally rely on the tourism that it generates, the interest in, in, in charters and all that sort of thing, um, you know, that... That South Australia experienced, and there's plenty that simply could not continue when the snapper band happened in SA. And we understand the overarching conversation around this is: well, if you don't do something in ten years, there it will never recover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But geez, you'd hope that you wouldn't actually get in your position like this. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And like, it comes down to us wreck fishers as well. And if you are in WA, more specifically, make sure you act on it a little bit and have your say as well. Whether it's to support it or whether it's against it, whatever it is. Right now, everyone's confused. So make sure you send your letters in to letters at wanews.com.au. That's the email address to have your say. And make sure you title it with McGowan and Punch on the headline, as Western Angler has stated. So basically, get in there, have your say, because... I, I don't think that last part is necessarily... <laughs> I had to put the quotes in there. I had to put the quotes in there, Pat. But it's uh, make sure that you do have a say, because if you don't, and you shut up shop and you talk crap on social media, it's not going to support... Not what, going to do anything. It's not going to do crap. So basically, get on there, be active, and try and get something across because you don't, we don't, I don't want to see this happen, but if it has to happen, I guess it has to happen. But the way that everyone's confused right now regarding, I guess, the evidence, let's uh, try and jump on it while we can. When you look at the Victorian bag limits of certain species... Yes. Are you happy with where they're at? So let's go through them. Uh, Whiting? Whiting, uh, I reckon it can come up to 30. I think it's 27 at the minute, so I reckon it can come up to 30. Do you really think you could, like, what's the benefit of 27 to 30 per boat? Uh, Why wouldn't you bring it down to 20? The size limit? Yep. Uh, Because I look at it... Or the science behind it, we trust. Because quite clearly... I I trust the science all the time, and I'll always follow it. Yeah, but what we're talking about here in Western Australia is there's quite clearly... There's confusing reports around what is sustainable and what's not. But our, I'm going to back in and and I'll vouch vouch for Vic Fishos here. Vic, uh, what we have in play with our government ministers, our fisheries is, I think, ahead of anyone in the country right now. So is there a species of fish that you think it could be re- reduced or potentially Upgraded? reviewed? Yes, I think squid can come up to more than 10 per person. I think maybe to fifteen. I think South. I'm pretty sure South Australia is fifteen per person. But why is what's wrong with it now? Uh, I don't think ten's quite enough uh, for when you. Actually you don't think ten? Ten squid 
is enough. They for are. One they month. are. If you get ten for squ- one person. If you well, not if you're going to eat them for your family. Then you're going to have a couple ten for bait. You're going to have ten squid for dinner. Well, this is that was what I was going to say though. It depends on your size limit though. Do they bring a size factor into it? If I catch ten squid with the hoods forty centimeters, that's that's more than enough. But during the most, the average squid size that people catch in Port Phillip Bay tend to be quite smaller. So there, you, I would eat two to three tubes myself if I was to cut them up into rings or whatnot on the average size squid, which is usually only maybe 15 to centimetres. Is there a species of fish that you think fisheries haven't gone hard enough with the, like say... Oh, barrel bluefin tuna, I think they can... Re- I, I don't think you need to keep any more than one per boat. Yep. I don't see why people are killing... And I don't care in a respect, as in I don't like the political side, but my opinion is I don't think we need to keep... I'm guilty myself. I killed two the other week with Craig. We killed the first one when we filmed it. And the second one we were planning to release to get footage. That was the whole plan. But it died. Like, it was gut-hooked and blood was pouring out of its gills. I wasn't confident it was going to survive. I tried swimming it. I tried to get it upright. It didn't look good. So I I pulled it on the boat. Would love to hear uh, your views out there uh, as our Real Adventures listeners. Do we think the current restrictions around the country are enough for your individual state? Now, the big conversation starter quite clearly has been what is happening in Western Australia at the moment with Jewfish and Pink Snapper. We've seen in South Australia the snapper ban, which has had huge ramifications uh, right across the state in Victoria. Are you comfortable with the current legislation around southern bluefin tuna would you like to see it reduced to one per boat can i throw in another one there with your snapper as such your snapper in port phillip bay anything over 40 centimeters you can only keep three of per person yep anything under 40 you can keep 10 yep so that was nearly the example that i gave for squid what's the minimum size limit on a snapper 20 or 28 or 28 or 27 yeah uh it's so but quite clearly i wouldn't keep a 28 centimeter snapper snapper I just look at it going, that's way too small. What am I going to benefit out of it? But if you live by yourself, that 28 centimetre snapper might feed you. So there's benefits there why it's in play. And if it's sustainable, then fisheries say so. But what I was saying then is, why can't they implement different rules to species? Why can't we have a, I guess, for example, a bluefin tuna, you're, you're allowed two per person. You're allowed two per person, then there's a meat limit in total. But Which is a lot. Which is a lot. So if you get two 15-kilo fish... It's probably, it's not too it's much, right. but it's all yep. right, yes. Agreed. So why can't we run a measurement? I guess, I know they're hard to measure. That would make sense to why me. Why can't we run a, 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 an average measurement between, say, it doesn't have to be exactly 106 centimetres, but why can't we go, righto, for a bluefin tuna from 150 centimetres long roughly to 180, or fork length, which is from the nose to the start of the, the middle of the tail as such, not the end, yes. where it forks. Why can't we run a, a rough measurement on a bluefin tuna and go right. Are you in that range, okay, you're in roughly. You're pretty much in that range. If you're trying one, to preserve the big breeders. Trying to. Well, well, I just don't see how someone, and I am guilty for it, and I've been caught out with too much fish, trying giving it away. Yep. When I killed those two, I'm like, what am I going to do with this amount of meat? Yep. And why don't we have to put a law in play, in place that I guess is not specific for righto? It's exactly this rule for that fish. Why can't we play it a bit different for squid? Righto, you've got a 40 centimeter hood. You get 10 of them that size, and for those smaller squid. Okay, you can have 15 of that size. Well, we measure snapper the same way. We've got 40 centimetres for a big snapper, and anything under, you can keep 10, three above 40. So why can't we implement things like this? Because there's so much conversation right now on social media regarding the barrel bluefin tuna. I saw a boat kill four on the weekend with four of them on the boat. Yep. Mate, one of those people ain't eating four, one whole fish each. Exactly Because right. I can guarantee you, and I'll tell you they will, 
and they'll give it a crack, but they're giving a lot away to family and friends, and you're actually looking to get rid of it, like I do, like I did when I was guilty enough killing those two fish. So. A massive show of real adventures heading your way this morning. You can see it's a topic that generates so much conversation around uh, limit captures per state. Everyone has an opinion, and would love to hear yours. You can. Get in contact with us at our Real Adventures socials or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. Plenty more of the show coming up. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for the whip around. We find before out what's you go, biting. Before you go into that, I'm just going to say one thing. Those numbers that I was throwing out before were only me giving examples I wasn't saying I want a tuna from 160 to 180 or whatnot. I just wanted to say that I'm not making those rules because people will go, why do you get to say that? I'm not any centimetreage. I'm not calling it. I'm giving examples, Pat. You're, you're trying I'm to be covering s- my back. You're trying to be Switzerland. I just made those numbers up on the averages of those fish, so on the sizes. You're so trying before, to be Switzerland. Mate, you have to put your foot in one camp. Do you think they should reduce the... Limit capture yes, of I southern bluefish. I do, but those measurements I was giving, I'm not a scientist with size limits of breeding stock. I'm just giving you an example that I don't know when when this fish starts to breed or when's it. I'm trying to picture what a 60, 60 kilo fish is in meterage here. I'm like, is it 1.4 or is it 1.5? Yeah. Where a big fish, a 140, for example, you're up around that two meters. So I was just, I was just trying to draw a line as in it might be from 1.6 to plus yep. or it might be from 1.4 plus so i was only just making those numbers up but i think yeah it's I, one of those things that you don't want to get wrong because yeah that's why i'm saying one, it one of the great docos for anyone out there that's interested in southern bluefin tuna and the fish stocks and how they've recovered life on the line al mcglashan um, partnered with tuna champions yep. around this production and it was absolutely wonderful and they were going through the history of southern bluefin tuna the the captures over the years, how the stocks were significantly impact uh, impacted by uh, literal you know, overfishing, and it got to yes. to a stage where I think the pop correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the population was like four percent. Yeah, globally. four or so, I think maybe even six. It was yeah, it was low. It was very low. And now it's about fifteen and a half. Yeah, it's well above twelve. I knew it was above twelve. I reckon you're close. Yeah. yeah. So if it's at fifteen and a half percent, and now, look at the change that we've had. That's the key factor. So imagine what twenty would be. Well, 50. Like, it's, just think about our kids this time. If it's already grown in a couple of years this much percent, the more fish, the more breeding, the more it grows, yep. it's going to grow quicker and quicker. And I, I hate to say this, barrel tuna used to be a challenge to catch. Honestly? I reckon it's not. <laughs> I, I, they are literally, people are going out now and expecting to catch them Every time I had it, saw I won't say names. but saw a fella, a gentleman on Facebook post the other day who does a little bit of guiding. He's just started out, got his first tuna. I think it was last year or this year, first one ever. And then he wrote a post saying, "Very hard day in the office today. Day today, late bite, only got the one." <laughs> and I've just gone, mate. Ten years ago, when I was chasing these things, I'd get one in five, six, eight trips. So, it comes down to the numbers, the stocks, etc., the science once again. Doing the work for us and us doing the right thing. It's not my made up one metre 40 number, whatever I went with. It's actually put it in there for, for a reason, for whatever it is, and follow those rules and hopefully it uh, keeps going up like it is at the moment. Can I get back to the whipper end now? I apologise, I just had to cover my butt. Uh, terms and conditions. 
It's time for the whip round. Thanks to Jayco Sydney, your next great escape. Let the adventure begin with Jayco Sydney. We start in Victoria and we're back on the barrels. Portland barrels <laughs> are running uh, hot. Mixed sizes at the moment, though, Reb, and they're not just massive 100 kilo plus fish, but they're not school fish either. We're, we're talking 70 plus kilos. Just had a text from my lawyer to actually stop talking about tuna, so <laughs> got myself into trouble. No, it's. Uh, yeah, they're going very good. Mixed fish, 70 to, yeah, big fish up to 140. So great fish, and they're literally as. Dumb as it sounds, they are jumping in the boat. They're three to six fish a day people are hooking, and it's very consistent. Port Phillip Bay uh, yep. report. Uh, we had that swell run. Whiting went very good. We had that slightly still weather. Still weather. Squid went a lot better. Offshore gummy fishing, bottom fishing is really good. We're starting to see a few snapper over in the western port side. As we know, mud flats over there heats up a bit quicker. They'll get their first run of snapper probably in September. Mid-September onwards will fire up into October. And then Port Phillip will sort of fire up end of October into November. The way that fire up, uh, I guess, is the, the words. But there is a question here about snapper firing up when to target them in the social club. So we won't talk too much about it right now. Once again, working off the tides when you're targeting uh, yep. those whining? Yeah, 100%. You want the water flowing, pushing through, bit of dirty water coming through with a bit of swell and you, or even the wind if it's vice versa uh, up the bay and you're going to get yourself some fish. Heading further north, New South Wales, Wollongong is having a great run of yellowfin tuna right now. Uh, mixed sizes once again, 30 to 70 kilos. How are anglers targeting? Yeah, stick baits is the key. But just literally stick baits is by far the best method. There are a few caught on lures, which is going to always be a working method of fishing, but the more productive side of it was definitely casting stick baits, getting in front and just trying to trap those fish in, especially if they're on souries. That's the best way to catch them. There's some long liners working a hot patch of bluefin as well, Pat, just south of... Oh, Vic, nearly near the Vic border as such to New South Wales, but more Green Cape Way, just south of it, off Gabo Island there. So they're out wide though. Uh, if you want to make a long trip out, you will catch them, and there is a lot of fish out there. And there's been some huge trevally caught in the hacking right now with fish pushing the 60-centimetre mark, and they have been caught on soft plastics. Heading to Queensland, uh, Red Emperor fishing at uh, Bundaberg at the moment on the outer reefs has been spectacular. The inner reefs are still holding uh, long-tail tuna, queenfish, uh, mac tuna uh, have been have been. You know, relatively consistent captures. Anglers targeting them with a mixture of, of bait and lures, but once you yeah, get them up to the surface, well. the, the lures are working pretty well. Uh, the Burnett River is on fire at the moment. There's some great flathead being caught. Uh, Brim and Grunter uh, are also strong reports that we keep getting. Uh, and they're fishing for them with bait. Redmond pilchards the best method. Yeah, anything fleshy and stinky, it's been by far the best for the flathead. So I think that's coming down with a bit of the rain they've had. Yep. They need to smell it out, so that's that's working probably the best. Heading over to WA, mackerel islands are full of right now, uh, full of life right now. We've plenty of fish on the surface, busting up. So it's all visual action, which is great to see. You got golden trevally, you got shark mackerel, you got mac tuna in there, and of course, there's plenty of bruises hanging around under there. Don't <laughs> jump in, Pat. There's plenty of things with teeth, so be careful if you are down there chasing fish because you will. Have to deal with them. Hamelin Bay is showing heaps of salmon right now off the beach. They're fishing on metals is by far the go, and flicking them into the big schools is going to catch you some fish. Uh, let's talk South Australia, uh, Port Victoria at the moment. Yeah, great fishing right now for whiting and squid. The local wee beds right around, uh, I guess that whole area is holding fish. You're chugging whiting, make sure you do hit those sand holes up. Sand holes are the key if you want the, the squid. 
Don't just think you've got to be on the heavy weed. Find the areas where the sand meets the weed and you'll get your squid as well. It's now time for the Social Club. We take your questions from social media. You've got the first one, Redmond. I do. Patrick, what is your most memorable fish that you have ever caught? Cheers, Brad. The most memorable fish that I've not caught... Not is, caught? ...is off <laughs> okay. Lucinda, and it was a barramundi that I I reckon was in the 90s. Actually, hold your voice. Can we just get this... Uh, Brooks, he just repeated from the other 65 times he's whinged about this. And Dad knocked the crap out of it. Like, everyone knows if you're going to net a barramundi, you net it from behind. He netted it from the front. And not only netted it, like he like tried to decapitate it with the net. <laughs> Banged it. Lost the fish. Away it goes. That's the most memorable. That's the first one that comes to my head every single time. I know it does. <laughs> most memorable, probably fishing with Paul Worsling off... Off Dunk Island and catching a Where's Dunk Island? GT, South Mission Beach. Yep. Catching a GT on a jig and hooking the <laughs> hook that was already in the fish's mouth that had been left there a week beforehand. So the fish already had a jig in its mouth that it had busted off. And my jig, this jig, Caught the jig. Caught Jim. the jig, <laughs> and it was, and we had it. It's all captured on GoPro, so it's this is this is a truma. This is an actual story that's real. That and then the story gets better because you met the gentleman who explained what lure and at the pub, you, yeah, at the pub that night. So we get back to the pub, and we're telling everyone about the story, and then this guy. Um, Tropical Dave, his name was. We seriously, that's his name. Tropical so basically, da- he was on the cocktails. That was <laughs> he, no <laughs> Tropical Dave was. Uh, he's like, where'd you go? And there's like this reef part is obviously well known. Went to this spot. Oh yeah, I fished there last week. Spoke about the jig that he lost. Describe it to us. Describe the pound line, and he nailed like four different parts around it, and. We bring it out, and he's like, mate, that's me lure. <laughs> Tropical Dave lost that lure a week beforehand. That's an story. And then I hooked it. Unbelievable. Can, can you remember your – what's your – I mean, it's what oh, you do for a living. I didn't even think about it because uh, the question was um, most memorable catch. Is there something that you look back and go – I've got a fella, Anthony, I'll never forget. He's got he, – at the time he had bowel cancer quite bad. He's going all right at the moment, which they didn't expect that. Uh, all he wanted to catch was a barrel bluefin tuna, and – this is one when they were hard to catch, Pat. We had a double hookup <laughs> off Portland. Oh, it'd have to be eight hard years. Hard to catch. <laughs> Six to eight years ago now, I reckon. I'm going to go with that. And uh, we were fishing out there, and he had that the poo bag on the side of him. Yep. Oh, scientific name. And I don't, I, I don't think that's a scientific name. I think you're right there. I strapped him into the fish, and another fellow was on another. We had a double hookup, and we managed to get the first one, which was 152 kilo in about three minutes. Actually, 15 exactly. We got it in 15 minutes, which was beyond a joke. Anyway, an hour and 40 minutes later, we're fighting Anthony's fish still. And we finally landed it. And all I could smell was crap. <laughs> so I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And then when I put the gimbal belt on Anthony, obviously I didn't take note for the bag and he didn't say anything. And I pulled it tight. And it pulled the poo bag off the side of his body. Broken. And poor, poor bloke's got poo going. But he fought this fish out two days before he had chemotherapy. And he wanted to go. And he caught this fish. And it was 108 kilo in the end. It was his first barrel. And it was for the hours that he'd put into trying to catch one back when they were hard. And uh, basically, and the fact that he was fighting this disease and yep. had the poo bag on, then we got back to the ramp and he had, there was no, we thought the shower facilities were there. So I'm like, I'll sort the fish out, mate. You clean yourself up. Couldn't do it. And just the whole story of just the way it went. Okay. To land a 
fellow with suffering from cancer, this big fish and a friend of mine and whatnot. But they, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's more of a rewarding story. So yeah. like, oh, I've caught hundreds of people their first barrel yourself. Like every, like I could say name so many people, not hundreds, but many people. But this one always sticks to my head. It's like he literally had chemo two days before, and he, this fellow caught this fish. So it was that. I think that's a very rewarding story that I, I got to catch. So not quite as cool as your one with catching a hook, but I think it's uh, one, to the, one to the heart. Not that I have a heart. <laughs> <laughs> that wraps the social club. If you want to join in the conversation, then make sure you send us in a direct message on all of our social cha- uh, channels, whether it's Instagram or Facebook, or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. Plenty more Real Adventures coming up after the break. All aboard for Dometic. Make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go Collection. Just pack, stack and go. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for All Aboard for Dometic. Go on your next adventure at Dometic.com. Our special guest this morning is Deputy Chair of Wreckfish SA, Andrew Harris. Harry, good morning, mate. Hey, lads. How are you going? We're going well. Not as good as him. Not as well as you, H, because... Tell us what's attached to the back of your car at the moment. It couldn't have been better timing. Mate, the timing for you lads has been fantastic. I have my brand new six metre North Bank attached to the back of my car and I'm on my way to the boat ramp now. The best part about this, it wasn't even set up. <laughs> no, I literally rang Hazel, I said, can you come on the show this morning? And he goes, yeah, well, I'm picking up the North Bank today. I said, perfect. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So this has been something, this hasn't been a couple of months in the making. It's been a while, Harry, because anyone that follows you on your socials will understand there's been a, a few posts, um, but finally she's here. There's a few custom sort of uh, manipulations that you've made to the boat. Tell us about it. It has. It's been a very long process and it's, uh, for me, being boatless for uh, for this long has it's been pretty hard. All I've been running around in is a little four point two meter chiller steer. Um, but yeah, I initially started about twelve months ago with Rob. Uh, had a bit of a discussion um, on on getting a new boat and what the package would look like. Um, but I I had some uh, I had some rules around uh, what changes I wanted to make to the six meter. And in the beginning, I think that Rob was open to it. And then uh, once we got into the nuts and bolts, it was definitely going to be a, a task. So I've changed the re- redesigned the whole dash on it. I changed uh, the fuel capacity and put a 300 litre fuel tank in it uh, with a 200 horsepower Merc on the back. I changed all my stainless work uh, and Bibini. And I also included a side door for the first time in a six metre. So we had to R&D a new side door and what that would look like based off of the 650, which basically is what's taken a, most of the time up. Uh, I think we went through three different concept designs before we, we finally got it right. And the end result is, yeah, it's pretty special. Well, that's all I was going to ask you is basically the biggest fa- the biggest change that you've made that I like is on the six metre as such is the dive door. But yeah. I also know yeah. how much of a prick of a job it is for Rob at North Bank. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that was going to be my question and you covered it nicely. But coming off the back of you uh, waiting for a boat, how does it feel having a 2003 model? Because that's how long we wait for boats now in this whole industry. <laughs> oh, mate. Uh, 2003. I think it is an 04, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a long wait, that's for sure. I um, initially... 
thought the long part was going to be the uh, weight for the motor uh, and my electronics. Uh, but no, they, they came to uh, together. And then um, I was literally watching my hull just sit there in the shed of North Bank while they completely had to R&D this door up and, and that was the, the weight, the long process for me. Take us through why you got a six metre now. I, I know you spoke to me probably 12 months ago now, let's be honest. It probably was about 12 months ago yeah. now. Hardtop, I know that it was playing in your head a bit. It was. 650 hardtop was initially what I would have loved to have uh, to have started out with. Just a lot of things, mate. Obviously, the cost of things, the, the day and age, cost of living. Um, you know, I had to take that into consideration. We also uh, just had a, a little baby boy uh, four months ago. Um, so a little bit came down to price. Uh, I was lucky enough that Rob, you know, offered up the ambassador program for me. Um, and that really did help, you know, with um, with getting on board with North Bank. Obviously, as you know, Aaron, we, we buy our boat. Um so even as an ambassador, we're still paying um, paying for our boat. Essentially, yeah, price is, is what came down for it with me uh, and and what I wanted in my boat. The six metre just made sense to start out there and I'll look at getting a 650 hardtop uh, probably in three years' time, hopefully. Now, you are Deputy Chair of Wreckfish SA. Well, the pressure's on now, Patrick. Talk us through your role there and the wreck fishing scene in South Australia at the moment because we've obviously seen, you know, the huge changes around the snapper band that is still currently in place. What's your assessment of the fishery at the moment and the health of it going forward? Mate, it's a great question and, um, you know, there's a lot of people here in SA that really do want to know what the outcome's going to be. Wreckfish SA held a forum a couple of weeks ago in Adelaide for the first time uh, in a long time. Um, They're now the recognised peak body again for the recreational community and it's certainly a challenge to uh, ensure that we can get the message out to as many recreational fishers as, you know, as we can. not only about, you know, snapper, but also in regards to, you know, whiting and squid and all the other top tier species that we need to be looking at in terms of sustainability and what the government and PERSA uh, want to do moving forward with that, with those fisheries. The snapper ban, yeah, coming out of a three-year ban, hopefully at the beginning of next year, it's going to be an interesting one. It's going to be a challenge for the government, PERSA, and for, to be honest, Rectish SA to ensure that we get this right. Uh, ensure that it is a sustainable fishery um, and that it is going to be managed correctly moving forward. Um, from all reports, I mean, guys that are in the know, you can go out and, you know, you can go to your normal um, dewy spots or even whiting grounds and, and you're catching snapper at the moment, you know, which is, 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 is always been like that to a degree. But, you know, those people who know where to go, you know, we'll see a lot more of... Um, lot more of the snapper at the moment because they haven't had the pressure on them if you were a betting man where would you where do you see it getting to do you if it does open up do you think recreational anglers would be willing to sacrifice you know significantly reducing the bag limits than what we've seen previously you know pre-ban in order to fish for them again or or where do you see it getting to Uh, look the data that we got provided um, by Sadi uh, during the forum was, was quite informative. It gives us an idea on where they're at with their research on the snapper and the sustainability of it. I don't think that uh, 
it, it looks like that we're going to have, you know, a, a total allowable catch for recreational anglers. Our current percentage is 18% um, of the snapper fishery is, is put aside for recreational anglers. However, within that 18%, um, we have to give 10% of that to the charter boat industry. So essentially, we've only got 8% there for recreational communities, and the rest of it is taken up by the commercials. So Recfish SA will be fighting that fight to ensure that we can uh, increase uh, the total allowable catch for the uh, recreational community. It might mean that we have a bad limit cut, which is, you know, I'm, if I'm a betting man, I'm sure that's probably what it's going to look like. However, if we can have more of an allowance and take some of that away from the commercial fishers, then it might be, you know, it might be a chance that the uh, recreational community can have a longer season. Another another question for you, Haz, is I guess Fisheries Victoria has very good, I guess, support for recreational anglers and VR fish and whatnot. And there, there's a lot of th- initiatives, I guess, uh, involvements right around our whole state, whether it's stocking of whatever it is, trout or in different You're talking about getting people into fishing. Trying yep. to get people into fishing. Yeah. Now, yep. is your role there also to implement, I guess, the importance of fishing in the economy as such, as well, I guess, in just like, outdoor, getting outdoor activities? Fishing, just, yep. yeah, outdoor fishing. Yeah, absolutely. We've just had a change of government here. So the new change of government's actually been able to recognise fishing as a sport here in SA. So we're actually split over two portfolios under the primary industry in sports and rec. The sports and rec has been able to uh, give South Australian fishos, you know, a different side of the coin now with the availability of grants, etc., to fishing clubs. And they've also got some initiatives attached um, with our role in order to get some, um, you know, junior anglers involved, uh, establish a, a women in fishing, uh, similar to what they've got over in Victoria. Um, so there are a number of different programs there to increase the participants in fishing in South Australia. However, as I said, the biggest role that we've got is to ensure that, you know, it's all well and good to grow that aspect of it. We've got to make sure that there's going to be fish there for us to go catch though as well. Yep, 100%. Harry, it's been yep. a pleasure chatting this morning uh, and your role as Deputy Chair of Wreckfish South Australia, where that fishery is at and how it's improving uh it's very very easy to see the passion you've got for it mate so appreciate your time this morning on real adventures no no worries lads awesome being on the show and uh tight lines i'll see you on the water andrew harris uh, our special guest for all aboard for dometic go on your next adventure dometic.com red's tip for anaconda anaconda just got a whole lot bigger don't miss their Adventure HQ Grand Opening Celebration. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's Tip. And we do this every year, similar time of the year, Pat. It's now time to sort of, probably not as in right now, but it's time to source where you're going to get it from, and it's bait. Bait is very expensive, and how do you utilise it is very expensive. So what I mean by that is if you go buy a slab of pilchards and you're going to use them as your casting baits for the day, you probably aren't going to, I guess, use that whole slab. Yep. You might use a few for burley. But what I would recommend to do is try and source somewhere you can buy 20-kilo blocks and then you can actually... 20-kilo well, box, I should say. Yes. And then you can indiv- just let them defrost a little bit and then you can individually freeze them into your 500-gram packs or kilo packs and it's going to cost you maybe... Oh, I reckon for a 20-kilo block, you might be paying up around that 60-buck mark. 
instead of twelve or eighteen twelve to eighteen dollars yep. for a bag of two kilo pillies. So you're going to save a lot a lot of money. How many times can you take, or do you recommend taking pillies out, defrosting, freezing, well, defrosting, freezing, burly, defrosting? For burly, you'd get away with it a bit more. Bake? But bake oh, no, nah, because they're not the same. They go soft, they, they peel, they break, they don't work, especially pillies. So do you take them all out at once, or do you split them? This is where I was going to say to you, take them out, pack what you need or what you averagely use out, but keep your, your cool box on the boat. And with it, all you need is literally a bottle of water, like a two-litre milk carton. Fill yes. it up with water, freeze it, chuck it in that esky or the cool box, chuck it in, and literally leave your bait frozen and only take it out as you're going to use it. Yep. Because you're just going to waste silver whiting, you're going to waste all your squid, you're going to waste everything leading up to that, I guess, that snapper session if you start to frost in big bulks of packs of silver whiting. So go, buy, go, go source, if you can buy them in bulk, your tackle store will probably help you out. Buy a 20-kilo block of silver whiting, bag them in groups of 8s or 10s or 12s or whatever you average use instead of getting 20 out at once or, or buying packets of 10 at the servo is going to cost you, like, it's cost me a fortune. And so that's the way that I would go about buying bait. Beautiful work. That is Red's Tip. That was Red's Tip. Don't miss Anaconda's Adventure HQ Grand Opening Celebration. It is time for the Flying Gaff. And unfortunately, there's been a few seals of late uh, euthanized. We're not a fan of seals as fishos. As observers with the children we are, but as fishos, seals aren't friends of ours. Well, Actually, they are when they show me where the barrels are. A fur seal found 35 kilometres inland on a dairy farm in southwest Victoria uh, has been euthanized. Now, quite extraordinary to, to, for this seal to find its way 35 kilometres. Swam up a creek. Well, I'm assuming that's how it got in Literally. here. It hasn't taken an Uber. Yeah, well, you could be like Kari's auntie when she brought this to my attention and goes, I thought it flapped all the way up on the grass. <laughs> I reckon it might have I taken laughed. the big fella a while to get up there. Well, it was it was not going too well. It had, a, had an injured mouth and it, I think one of its eyes, both eyes might have been completely blind. So it wasn't going real well. No, well, it's and if spe- I was that seal, I'd be put down too. It speaks <laughs> to the the first seal that was um that was swimming around, and I don't, I don't want to be too graphic here, but it was swimming around with only half its body around a boat. It circulated on socials after a great, that was a big great white. Great white has just nailed the thing. Look at the size of that thing. I'm looking at the video there. It like, is massive. That that's you feel for the seal, but it, that is Mother Nature at its most. Ruthless, the same as the the great white sharks that are being targeted by these serial killers, free willy sort of types of orcas that are hunting and uh, and eating these great white they're just sharks. Ri- they're ripping the stomachs open a little bit, straight taking to their the spleen. heart and lung. Yeah, yeah, heart and lungs the main ones they're taking out, and but on diff- all different types of sharks, and these killer whales are doing it repetitively. It's amazing in the same area. That, there there is that, nothing there is nothing more brutal in the ocean than an orca. And apart, no. <laughs> apart from you when you're fishing for water. <laughs> that wraps up the show. We hope you've enjoyed it. We'll see you on the water next week. This has been Real Adventures. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.